Is that better than last week's? The this sound of music is it as good? My as, Fair Lady. Remember is it that? as good as Julie Andrews and the Children? Um, I wasn't being Julie Andrews. I was being Christopher Plummer. You piece of trash. If, hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Dustin Bass, and I'm Alan Joachim, who is just angered by that outburst, oh. that insult to the sound of music. Outburst. What do you mean? It's a great movie. And great movie. It's too and soon I to me be making fun of that movie. I wasn't making fun of it. In I, fact, I was cherishing it in my heart in that moment in time. I was reminiscing about the time I was a child and I listened why don't to you Christopher sing, Plummer why don't you sing, sing before the, those freaking Nazis why don't you sing as the, the children and what's her name? You know, Julie what I, Andrews escape and then he finally escapes. You know what, and it was a happy ending. You know what and irritates you should be me more, happy too. <laughs> what irritates me more than trying to sing The Sound of Music is when, when you try I'm to trying it? to interrupt you and you keep talking. You mean when you try to interrupt me and I keep interrupting you? <laughs> no, when you keep talking, you won't let me finish interrupting you. Would you quit interrupting while I'm trying to interrupt you? Remember that? No. It was on... Uh, Darkest Hour, the new Winston Churchill movie. I didn't see that part. Did you see the movie? No. So you didn't just see, not see that part. You didn't see the movie. I didn't see the movie. Why didn't you see the movie? I just haven't seen the movie. Okay. I don't even, now I don't Are even you want interrupting to do, me while I'm wa- trying to ask a rhetorical question? I don't even want to do this show now because you haven't seen that. That is such a disgrace. You know, you could be kind of that to is buy it a for me. disgrace. A disgrace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to jump into the second part of our discussion on World War II, which our good friend Alan Joachim knows so much about. He is going to be leading this conversation. I'll be asking the questions, obviously. So you shut up and just sit down and let me ask the questions. I'll be leading this charge. You go ahead and lead it. But we're going to try to get into this as quickly as possible. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's All right. Talk so World War II. World War II. So we talked last week about how everything, what led up to World War II. Russian Revolution, Treaty of Versailles, Great Depression. We, you know, the microcosm of the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have 1939 rolls around. And that's where we'll more or less start okay. there. Uh, right. We're going to try to cover 1939 to 1944 in Europe. Yes. So. And we'll talk about Japan and China and, and what yeah, led up next to week, the uh, right. next week. Okay, good. All right. So Germany, Italy, Soviet Union, invading neighbors. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Well, I mean, everyone was kind of jockeying for position. You know, you had, uh, you know, you had Africa. We, we talked about how Italy invaded Abyssinia, which is now known as Ethiopia, which kind of soured relations between him and Mussolini. Uh, relations were soured between Mussolini and Britain, Britain and France, which seemed kind of uh, hypocritical considering how much territory they controlled in, in Africa. Uh, but they also invaded Albania before uh, Poland was invaded. And... Uh, you know, took over Albania, made it one of their colonies. So now, you know, they are slowly positioning themselves in the Mediterranean. Uh, Mussolini liked to call the Mediterranean an Italian lake, which is kind of a joke, but, you know, uh, granted Italy was there, and they had Albania, and they had Libya, but that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. The rest of the area was controlled by France, Britain, and then you had some free nations. Yeah. So the Soviet Union starts invading... Right. Its now, neighbors. Now, we discussed uh, the Polish invasion of Slovakia, uh, mm-hmm. Slovakia, Germany, and then uh, about a little over two weeks later, uh, the Soviet Union invaded Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, we also mentioned uh, briefly about the Baltics. The three Baltic nations were invaded. Uh, and then on November 30th, uh, the Finland was invaded by the Soviet Union. And that was they called that the Winter War. That was an all-out war. Yeah, uh, Soviets were getting beaten at first, but then when the snow thawed out, yeah, they finally they finally won and one of annexed the, much territory of, fin- of Finland. Yeah, I think w- when they were getting into Finland, mm-hmm. the the Soviets, I think uh, so. S- Stalin he sends a letter to one of his journals, uh, generals, mm-hmm. and it says, 
let's finish this thing. You know, it's too soon to be making fun of the, those poor Finns and their. Uh... But yeah, I'm sure it was something like that. You know, um, I shudder to think what happened to the Soviet generals who were fighting that battle because they uh, they were finished after that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Shudder no more. <laughs> Shudder no more. Because they were dead. They were dead. Yes. <laughs> I bet they were like, sweet release. Yeah. All so, oh, right. Uh, yeah, and that they they also took um, they also took a eastern part of Romania. Mm-hmm. And so this is all towards the end of 1939, is that 1939, correct? 1939, 1940. Into yeah. 1940. Right, before, uh, before the uh, 1941 invasion, Operation, Operation Barbarossa. Yeah. So, uh, Major catastrophe takes place, obviously, early into 1940. May 10th uh, to June 25th of 1940, mm-hmm. you have the fall of France. Mm-hmm. Germany takes it. Mm-hmm. How? Okay, how did that even happen? How did France fall so quickly? Well, first, uh, we do need to mention what happened in Denmark and in Norway. Okay. Um, the, the British were going to try to take possession of some Norwegian territorial waters uh, to blockade. They were gonna, they, in World War I, they had a successful blockade of Germany. Well, they were going to try to do the same thing in World War II. Um, Germany beat them to Norway uh, on April the 9th, 1940. They invaded uh, Norway and Denmark. Uh, so Britain did send troops to aid the Norwegians. Now, prior to that, there was what was called the Phony War. There was really no major fighting in, in Western Europe. So everyone thought, okay, nothing's going to happen here. It's just going to be um, a war of attrition. Well, they went in and they took Denmark in one day. Norway, uh, the fighting continued beyond May the 10th. But what happened was this. There was something called the Schlieffen Plan that Britain and France knew what that was. The plan was that Germany, instead of going through the German-French border, which was, you know, mountainous, and there, were, there was the Maginot Line. France had built what was called the Maginot Line. You had all this artillery and forts. They knew about the Schlieffen Plan, which was Germany would invade Luxembourg and Belgium and then sweep into France from the north. So the plan was that if they do it again in 1940 or 41, whenever they were going to do it, they are going to immediately send British and French forces into Belgium and Luxembourg. Well, in 1914, it didn't happen. But in 1940, Holland was now part of the equation. They invaded Holland also. Hmm. So... They invade. Britain and France sends their forces in. Now, there was a delayed reaction, but once the French and the British were in those three nations, then the Germans did a surprise move through the Ardennes forest behind the Germans, behind the French and the British. Hmm. Effectively, that force, it was a pincher movement, drove all the way to the English Channel, and they trapped a huge portion of the French and British armies Mm -hmm. and the Belgian armies. They were all trapped. You've heard of Dunkirk? Right. Well, that's where they had to uh, escape from. Mm -hmm. You know, you had the the miracle at Dunkirk. Um, Now you've seen the movie? You've seen the movie, yeah. Yeah, I like the movie. You got around to that one, huh? Yeah, it's a a good movie. Um, On May the 10th, uh, Chamberlain's government fell and uh, Winston Churchill took over. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, all this, we're talking about Churchill was now the prime minister. So, yeah, you had the miracle at Dunkirk. France, on the other hand, collapsed. I mean, there, there was no, nothing left in them to fight. They, they swept southwards, the Germans did. They captured Paris. It was declared an open city. And there was a, you know, um, Churchill tried to talk to the French to say, listen, don't surrender. Just move your government to London, and we will be one nation It'll be, you know, like Austria-Hungary, you know, that mm-hmm. type of thing, where we are one nation, and they'll have to defeat us also. France didn't want to do it. They just, they gave up. And they surrendered in the exact same rail car that, that Germany surrendered in in 1918. Really? Yeah, same one. Wow. So, um, so yeah, Hitler then destroyed the uh, the train. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, so uh, you had that going for them. You now, better get yeah, used to this. Right. So now, France had a pretty big navy. That's and they, my German accent. Yeah, I know. Nine, nine, nine. <laughs> nine, 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 France had, France eight, had, France seven, had a pretty six. big navy. Huh? 
France had a pretty big navy, right. mostly yeah. in the Mediterranean. So Britain said, listen, bring your navy to London and, you know, you can continue fight with us. France didn't want to do that. So Britain decides, listen, we can't take the chance that the Germans, because Vichy, the Vichy government was, was being formed at that moment. Mm -hmm. Marshal Patin, the hero of, of uh, Verdun in World War I, was going to be the uh, leader of, of the new Vichy French. Let me stop you there uh -huh. for the audience. Who were the Vichy French? Okay. In the, in the town city of Vichy in France, that's where a puppet government was formed. By well, it the was, Germans, it was, right? Yes, it was, a, it was a puppet government for Germany. France surrenders. And France has a huge empire. They control much of Africa. Not the whole thing, mind you. Uh, Britain and France pretty much divvied up, like I would say, between them, 80% of Africa. Hmm. So Germany knows they can't control all of the, the French Empire overseas. So they're like, okay, surrender to us. You can form your own government, but you know, you're, you'll do our bidding. So they formed a government in Vichy, France, which was a puppet government for the Germans. Now, Britain was afraid that that navy, the French navy, would become part of the German military machine. When, when the uh, French navy would not go to Britain, because Charles de Gaulle goes to London to carry on the fight. He creates the Free French Forces. So you have the Free French Forces and the Vichy French Forces. They were adversaries. When, when France would not send the navy over, Britain attacked. Mm -hmm. Um, it was in Algeria, um, the port uh, Mers el Kabir. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of Frenchmen were killed. Like over a thousand Frenchmen were killed. Right. And, uh, you know, the French, all the French condemned that attack. But, you know, Churchill was like, look, we had to do it. Because mm -hmm. if they grabbed that surface fleet, especially in the Mediterranean... You know, we, we will never be able to use the Mediterranean at that point. Yeah. So they felt they had no choice. Unfortunate. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, a lot of bad blood already. Mm -hmm. It's hundreds of years of it. Well, and then yeah. you have that moment in time, which just yeah, the, adds on top the, of it. The French, the French and English alliance was yeah. still kind of young. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, I mean, 100 year, 150 years prior to that, you know, you had the Napoleonic Wars. Right. And Britain and France had always been enemies. Mm-hmm. So this, it was a new concept to have them. They they had only been allies for maybe say fifty years. Yeah, you know, so yeah, uh, very short period of time. So France falls. Mm -hmm. Follow up the Battle of Britain. You have the Battle of Britain. What did yeah. Churchill say? Uh, the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain has just begun, yeah. or is about to begin. And and this is where he said, you know, we'll fight on the beaches. We'll fight in the streets. We will never surrender. We will yeah. never. He said a lot more stuff. Very inspirational. Yeah. And he did his, all I can give you is blood, toils, tears, and sweat. Mm -hmm. So very inspirational man, uh, that Churchill guy. Yeah. So, uh, but he was kind of a warmonger. I love Churchill, but yeah, he, was, he loved war. He just He did. loved war. He did. Warmonger, I don't know about that. I think a lot of times just war came to him. He lived in... You know how we've talked uh, numerous times about people being uh, the man for the job? Mm -hmm. I think Churchill was the man for the job come World War I, Bolshevism spreading, and then the rise of Hitler. Mm -hmm. um, I think he was the man for the job. And then afterwards, you know, pointing out you need to, you know, he's the one who coined the phrase the Iron Curtain. Yeah. Um, I think he was just, he was the man for his time. Yeah. He always looked ahead. Yeah. Now, a lot of the British people. And people don't like that no. when you do that. When you say, right. and I wrote an article not too long ago about, uh, and, and it involved a lot about Churchill sort of having this perception of evil mm -hmm. and pointing it out before others. Um, and people typically don't like that. They think that you're trying to stir up trouble. Right. Well, he, he saw the dangers of Stalin and the Soviet Union while they were still allies. Mm -hmm. he, he realized, you know what? I, think, I don't think they're really our friend. Mm -hmm. I think we are about to switch uh, tyrants. Britain, uh, Eastern Europe, is going to be switching from a, uh, from a Nazi occupation to a Soviet occupation. Mm -hmm. And he detected that. And that might be the reason why he, he lost the election. Mm -hmm. his, his government uh, 
the, his party lost the election yeah. before Japan surrendered, and a guy named yeah. Clement Attlee ended up becoming the. And I understand that. And I sort of put put pointed that out in the article. I'm like, people get very weary. Mm-hmm. They get weary of one or the other, yeah. and it's just like we're tired of war. We yeah. don't want to be in it anymore. Right. You're done. Yeah. You know, your time has passed. Yep. Now, he did end up coming back and being prime minister mm-hmm. uh, not too much longer after that. But, all right, so the Battle of Britain mm-hmm. begins. Um, yeah, it was, uh, Britain had radar. Mm-hmm. So, now, the the Germans fought a Blitzkrieg war. Now, part of the Blitzkrieg was that you attack the enemy, the enemy air force, destroy mm-hmm. them, and then use the, um, you destroy the bridges, destroy whatever, and then the army moves and your air force is there to support the army, destroy the enemy tanks, strafe the enemy positions. Well, they couldn't do that across the English Channel. Right. They had to control the skies before they could do that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the the Luftwaffe takes off, the pilots are in the air for about an hour, maybe half an hour, and using up all their fuel. By the time they get to London, well, the by then, you the, you, the British pilots, they, they have only been up in the air for five or ten minutes. Yeah. They know where to go because they had radar. Mm-hmm. And more German planes were shot down than, uh, than British planes. Yeah. There, it, was, it was almost two to one. Hmm. Um, it would have continued had there was an accidental... Um, Germany accidentally bombed a civilian area of London. So Britain retaliated and they bombed Berlin. Um, and they did that a few times. So then it, it went into a new phase called the Blitz. Yep. And what the Blitz was, was they just decided we're going to just bomb London, the civilian areas of London. Right. So they've switched from dogfighting British planes and switched to bombing London, mm-hmm. which is really what saved Britain mm-hmm. because the pilots were able to take a rest. Yeah. And I, I think the idea from the German perspective or the Nazi perspective, was we're going to crush the will of the British people. Right. That was the idea to just blitz London all over, and the will of the people will turn against their own government, and they'll say, we want to surrender. Mm-hmm. Did not happen. No. It was the opposite Those happened. English-speaking yeah. people. Yeah, the opposite yeah. happens. Yeah. So. Uh, so Italy. Let's move to Italy. Okay. They, um, so they, they take Albania mm-hmm. uh Early April of, 30, April of 39. Right. All right. Now, they, they were not in the beginning phases of the war. They, I think it was June the 10th of 1940 when they got into the war, and they declared war on France, and mm-hmm. I think Great Britain at that point declared war on them too. But when France was fighting for its very life, um, Mussolini sends his forces through uh, uh, eastern, southeastern France. They take over um, Monaco, Nice, and, you know, they, they swept through the uh, Mediterranean portion, the Riviera portion, uh, portion of southeast France. Um, and also uh, there was some fighting down in North Africa. The, when Britain and Italy suddenly went to war, the, Libyan, uh, the Italians in Libya invades British Egypt. So now you have the, uh, you know, the North African campaign. Mm-hmm. And the Italians didn't do so well there. And I, I believe it was February of, of 41. Uh, he has to, Hitler has to send uh, Rommel hmm. down to help and assist the Italians. Now, how did Hitler feel about Mussolini doing what he had done? Uh, well, his invasions. You know, that wasn't the only invasion that Mussolini did. Mussolini also invaded Greece mm-hmm. from uh, Albania. Didn't tell Hitler what he was going to do. Yeah. And, and I think we talked about that last week, how the the Axis powers, you know, they really didn't do a good job working together. Uh, they, that, they, a lot of times they would do stuff without telling each other and sort of screw things up for the other, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I think we discussed, like, it may have been more or less like each one was trying to grab as much power and land as possible for themselves. Yeah, it wasn't like World War One. In World War One, you had Austria, Hungary, and Germany. They worked very closely together. And then when Turkey got involved, um, the Ottoman Empire, mm-hmm. the three nations, they, they had kind of like a central command somewhat where they all three worked together. Bulgaria then came into the picture. So all four... Um, for instance, I'll give you an example of Romania. When, when Romania invaded Austria-Hungary, 
the four nations work together to defeat Romania. Mm -hmm. they, they all work, all four work together. Not the case with World War II, because it was kind of a loose confederation. Uh, mm -hmm. Japan joined later on, but you, you really had Italy and Germany that were kind of each wanting their own territories. Mm -hmm. And then you had some countries that were reluctant to join the Axis powers, but only because they were enemies of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. That Finland, Romania, Hungary, uh, Bulgaria didn't really... They did, they did not declare war on the Soviet Union, from what I gathered. Um, it, there was the only Axis power not to declare war on the Soviet Union. Hmm. Uh, because they're all kind of the same mix of people. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Now... But he, so, but he, he, but, he sent Rommel... He sent uh, Rommel to to uh, rescue help with the Italy. Situation. Yeah, and then you, and then you had the Italian, you had the Italians from invading Greece. Mm -hmm. Well, the Greeks and the British not only stopped them, but actually invaded Albania and took about a quarter of Albania. Oh, okay, so they took some of Albania back. Right. Okay. The Greeks and the uh, and the British. And Crete, there was the the battle at. at uh, that was Crete. later on. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, now what happened was. That Now, Hitler had his eyes on the Soviet Union, but he had to take care of Greece. Now, as he's collecting all these allies, you know, that I mentioned, Romania, Hungary, mm -hmm. Bulgaria, um, Yugoslavia agreed to be part of the Axis. Okay. But then the people revolted and overthrew the government, and Hitler decides, okay, time to punish Yugoslavia. And he punished, I mean, he bombed Belgrade. They invaded Yugoslavia and they invaded Greece. And he invaded Greece to help out the Italians. He did, really didn't want to. Germany did not want to go into the Balkans and fight, but they felt like they did not have a choice. Hmm. So they invaded Yugoslavia. Um, they successfully captured the country, but uh, not so much the mountains, because you had two different forces. You had the Chetniks and the Partisans. Chetniks were um, um, free. The, the Partisans were communist. Uh, so... They themselves ended up fighting each other. Also, I don't know if you ever do. You ever see the movie Force Ten at Navarone? No. Um, it's came out like in nineteen seventy nine, something like that. Um, Harrison Ford is in there. Robert Shaw. It's a pretty Carl Weathers. Pretty good movie. Okay. And um, you have uh, now in that movie they have the Chetniks or are whole completely allies with the German. Eh, not so much. I mean they they fought the Germans and the Chetniks fought each other, but. When it came to the partisans, Marshal Tito, uh, that there was some collaboration, a lot of collaboration involved. Anyway, so uh, Germany invades those two countries, and after after uh, Greece was captured, then there was the airborne operation into Crete. So the Germans lost a lot of guys. It was the it was Germany's last major paratroop airborne invasion, but they did capture Crete. Okay. So that was that was in April. Just a high cost. Mm -hmm. Very high cost. All right, let's touch on the Middle East. What happened there? Because end of war, during World War One, it played a significant role breaking up the Ottoman Empire. Mm -hmm. um, I think what the creation of Iraq. Um, you know, we've got Lawrence of Arabia. That whole situation. There's a lot of big stories uh, that came out of the Middle East. During World War One, not so much to an extent as far as famous, mm -hmm. uh, I guess, when it comes to World War Two. But what happened in the Middle East? Well, it was kind of a sideshow that lasted for a couple of years. Um, and it's important to mention with the Soviet invasion of Germany, Turkey. You have to look at Turkey. Now, Turkey was Germany's ally in World War One. Well, they remained neutral in World War Two until the very end. But they were hoping Turkey would come on to the side of the Axis because well, here's what the plan was. And, um, and it also, like I said, it, it goes together also with the German invasion of the Soviet Union when they were heading towards the Caucasus. The plan was this. The British had the Suez Canal. Now, the plan was that whether it was Italy or whether it was Rommel, they would take over Egypt from the, they would come in from the West and Syria, which at that time was part, Lebanon and Syria were one nation. They were all part of Syria at that time. Syria was part of Vichy France. At the same time, there, there was a rebellion in Iraq. Now, Iraq was a British colony, 
there was a, a, a pro-Nazi leader who took over Iraq. And so the plan was this, that Iraq would turn Axis. Vichy France was already Axis. They would sweep down into Transjordan and Palestine. Meanwhile, either Rommel or the, and the Italians would sweep in from the west. And with those forces capturing Palestine and heading... Palestine captured, heading west... Rommel and the Italians heading east, they could take the Suez Canal and the entire Mediterranean would be in Axis hands. That was the goal, that was the plan. Didn't quite work out that way, but that was what their goal was. Turkey ended up not becoming part of the Axis. The rebellion in Iraq failed and in Vichy, Syria, you had the Free French under Charles de Gaulle and you had the British... They invaded Syria, took it over, and that was in 1941, right before Operation Barbarossa. Now let's move on to Operation Barbarossa. This is a turning point. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, this, Germany did not want a two-front war, like which is what happened in World War I. Mm -hmm. There was a 10-year non-aggression pact between the Soviets and the Nazis. It was just a delaying tactic. For who? Both, because oh. they knew that they were going to go to war eventually, both sides. The Soviets were not angels. Trust me on that one. <laughs> they, were, they were just as bad as the Nazis. Right. So Germany had decided, okay, the time has come. We've practically pacified the Western Front. Uh, England is going to stay on the defensive. They're, they're not going to invade France. So we don't have to worry about them. So now... Hitler felt it was the time was right. Let's finally invade the Soviet Union because we've been wanting to do it since I wrote Mein Kampf. You know, that's Hitler's, that's Hitler's philosophy. We've been wanting to do it for a long yeah. time. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it because they wanted the living space. They wanted the, uh, they wanted the oil. They wanted the, uh, the, the, the wheat um, fields. The vodka. The, yeah, sure, the vodka. <laughs> they wanted the Ukraine. They wanted all that land and all those farms. Yeah. So on June 22nd, they invaded um, about 3 million German soldiers. They, they got assistance. Uh, Finland invaded, um, and they, they took what they wanted. And then you had the, uh, the Romanians and the Hungarians and the Italians and all those guys. They also assisted, the Slovakians, all of them assisted um, to invade the Soviet Union. Hmm. Um, now, there were a lot of... There were a lot of spies who told Stalin, hey, Germany's going to invade, but Stalin wouldn't believe it. Yeah. He, he just didn't think it was the, the, right, the right moment. Mm -hmm. uh, well, invaded they did. Yeah. And they and three, three major movements. Um, you had the northern movement that, that uh, headed towards Leningrad. Mm -hmm. Now, the goal really wasn't to capture Leningrad. The goal was to besiege Leningrad. The Finnish... We're going to take one side and the Germans will take the other. And, it, and they did. And it was under siege for about 900 days. Hmm. A lot of civilians died yeah. in Leningrad. Then you had an, um, another uh, front heading straight towards uh, Moscow, kind of in that general vicinity. Uh, and then you had well, When one, we say a lot of civilians died, millions. Millions, yeah. yeah. Now, the Soviets lost, the high estimate is about 27 million people altogether. That, right. that includes the Ukraine and all the other, Russia, mm -hmm. uh, Belarus, 27 million people. Yeah. That is a lot of people. So, um, yeah, so... That's all of Texas. Is, is that, are there 27 million people? I think it's people? 27 or 29. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so go ahead. Yeah, so, so they invade, the, they invade, and they swept all the way the, um, by, by December... They were outside of Moscow. They could see, the, they could see the the downtown, the skyline. Now, is this December of nineteen forty one? Nineteen forty one. Okay. Because yes. it started September, early September. Well, no, it started in June twenty second. The Operation Barbarossa. Uh, Operation started June twenty second. Okay. Um, but see, now here's where the problem was. Hitler by this time thought he was a military genius, so he started taking over the operations. Yeah. The, the the generals were like stating, you know, no, we don't need this. We, you know, let's do it this way. Hitler was like, no, we're going to do it this way. Mm -hmm. So he wouldn't let the generals run the war. He ran the war. 
and that was a fatal mistake on his yeah. part. So um, you had the Battle of Moscow, major, major battle. The Germans were not prepared for winter, which came kind of early. Hmm. And when it got there, it was brutal. Yeah. I mean brutal. Like minus 40 degrees. That's cold. Yeah. Okay. Um, Too close to Siberia. You can't... Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, your guns, your your equipment freezes. Right. Yeah. Oil freezes, I think, at that temperature. I, you know, it's pretty cold. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing so functioned. Say. Yeah. <laughs> nothing functioned. Nothing well, functioned. You know. So... Um, now you know. Now keep in mind with the Blitzkrieg, you know Poland was a big country, but it wasn't the size of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So it's like every territory they captured, there was more and yeah. more and more. And the Soviets had a lot of people. Now there was a uh, a spy uh, in Japan. I think his name was Richard Sorge, S O R G E, who gave Stalin some information that the Japanese had no intention of that the Japanese had no intention of uh, of attacking the Soviet Union. So all these soldiers that were stationed in Siberia to protect them from Japan were now able to go and fight in the uh, the front between um, between the Germans and the and the Soviets. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of a stalemate by the time Old Man Winter hit the area. Um, there was uh, around Moscow they were pushed back, but um, that and then and that's that's pretty much how 1941 ended. And so, 1941 ends, and I apologize, on uh, September 1941, that was the beginning of uh, the Siege of Leningrad. Okay. Right. Um, the Battle of Stalingrad. That was the following year. What what happens? You you know, the German Sixth Army, what happens okay. during that moment? So, 19, now we're, we're to 1942. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, spring comes. They start the offensive again. Now, this time, they're heading, the, the southern front is heading they, to capture, um, they, want them, they wanted them to go to the Caucasus, they wanted them to capture the oil down, the, down in the Georgia, uh, Azerbaijan, Armenia region. Um, but along the way, there was the, the city of Stalingrad, named after Stalin, obviously. Mm-hmm. Hitler decides he wants to take Stalingrad, because he hated Joseph Stalin. So the Sixth Army goes to take Stalingrad, and and they pretty much took over ninety percent of the of the city. The mistake was this: the flanks. Now, while the German army was fighting in the city, their left flank and right flank were not German troops; they were Italians and Romanians. They weren't that good. So this uh, general, Marshal Zhukov, Zhukov, figures out: we'll do this. Hitler has this tendency to say, "You will once you capture something, you cannot withdraw, hold, hold it uh, till you're dead." That type of uh, attitude. So Marshal Zhukov knows this, and he decides he's going to have a pincher movement. To the to the uh, on both sides of Stalingrad, he invades. He sends his forces against the Italians and the Romanians, and. Um, destroyed the armies that were in front of them, and then they hooked up and met to the west of Stalingrad, effectively encircling the entire Sixth Army. Wow. So, you, you know, you're talking about, you know, you have this arm and this arm, they come mm-hmm. together, right. and they meet. And then, instead of stopping, they kept sweeping to the west and solidifying to the east where they had Stalingrad surrounded. So it's sort of equivalent to not having either flank covered. Correct. Yeah. Which is what ended up happening. That's and then incredible. they solidified uh, their positions um, around Stalingrad to keep the, the Germans trapped inside and then pushed their way to, so that any rescue movement would have much further to go. Yeah. So, and there were some rescue attempts made, and, and um, Hermann Göring promised Hitler that the Luftwaffe would be able to supply the uh, Germans encircled for as long as necessary. Mm-hmm. But that just really was not the case. Um, over time, the, the the circle collapsed, and you know the winter set in. They lost. There were about five hundred thousand that went in, and they surrendered. At when the, when they surrendered, uh, I I don't have the exact figure as to how many surrendered, but I can tell you that when the survivors 
were able to go home in the 50s. About 10, 11 years later, mm. might have been longer than that, there were only 6,000 survivors. Dang. That's it. More than 100,000 surrendered. But at the end of the war and then, and then the, the years, they, they kept those prisoners there until the 50s. When they finally released them in the 50s, there were only 6,000 survivors from Stalingrad. That's it. Mortality rate was pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. All right, Operation Torch. Mm-hmm. Let's move to that. Operation Torch. Okay. What is it? All right. Now, a year before, 11 months prior, you know, you had Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. and Germany and Italy declare war on the United States. Okay. Nothing big had happened. Hitler, Germany was still too strong to invade Europe at that time. So what they decide to do is to invade North Africa. So Casablanca, Oran, and Algiers. Now, Oran and Algiers are in Algeria, and then Oran, uh, Casablanca is in uh, Morocco. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are Vichy French. So Great movie, by the way. Yeah, Casablanca. One of, actually, my it's, top one. It's a, it's a good movie. It's tied with um, Gladiator. Good movie, too. So, um, yeah, the, the British and the Americans invade North Africa, mm-hmm. and... Uh, now, on the other side, um, the, the British 8th Army, I think, was it the 8th Army? Uh, Montgomery. It was Montgomery's okay. men. Uh, Montgomery defeated Rommel at El Alamein. Uh, they were getting, Rommel was getting very close to the Suez Canal, but they were finally defeated at El Alamein, and then they withdrew back into Libya, and it was a very long, it was like a 700-mile withdrawal. So you had the British coming at them from the east, from, from Egypt, and then you had the British and French coming in from the west uh, in Algeria. Mm-hmm. So they ended up in Tunisia. And, um, you know, I mean, the, the Americans got their butts kicked in the first battle with the Germans. Um, but then Patton shows up, and eventually the, uh, the entire German and Italian army that was in Tunisia, they all surrendered because... You know, they're surrounded from the land by British and Americans. And then you had the, you know, the British and American Navy uh, controlled the Mediterranean Sea. They could not get those forces back into um, Italy. Mm-hmm. So you had hundreds of thousands of Germans and Italians who had to surrender. Yeah. Beautiful. So that was the end of the North African campaign. But Rommel, Rommel what happens to him? Because he obviously escapes. He, he does. He, he was not there. Uh, Rommel ends up becoming... The man who um, solidifies the Atlantic Wall. His job, he knows that uh, the U.S. is going to invade the West, France most likely. They just didn't know where. So what Rommel does is he puts all these obstacles, mines, um, anything he can think of along the coast, along the beaches, so that wherever the U.S. and Britain invaded they would be defeated. So that, that's what his job was. He was put in charge of, uh, of solidifying the defensive works in the uh, Atlantic Wall. Okay. Um, now, there were some operations that took place in Sicily. You had Operation Husky, um, the invasion of Sicily, Britain and, and the United States. Um, they, they eventually took it over. You had Patton and, and Montgomery were both competing for, for the island. So that was Operation Husky. Then you had Operation Avalanche, where they landed in Salerno, and that mm-hmm. was to invade Italy. Um, Churchill called Italy the soft underbelly, you know, of uh, of the Hitler's uh, hit the the Nazi regime. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, fortress fortress Europe, I think, is what they called it. So they invade they invade Italy, mm-hmm. and uh, they work their way up. But it's it's a very very costly campaign because you know the the country is very mountainous. So it was not an easy. Uh, it was not an easy battle, and and there was a stalemate. So we land in Anzio, mm-hmm. behind where the uh, the front line is, and um, at Anzio, it was kind of it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, what happened uh, when when the British and the French and the Australians and New Zealanders attacked Turkey at Gallipoli. They didn't move. They just they took over, and then they they should have kept going. Mm-hmm. And they thought something's not, you know, at Anzio, uh, they're like, this is too easy. So they thought it was a trap. 
Well, by the time they figured out it wasn't a trap, it's just that they really did catch the Germans by surprise. Mm-hmm. By then, the Germans were able to bring, send in forces, yeah. and uh, Anzio became kind of a killing zone. Mm. So um, That's crazy. Yeah. So, I actually interviewed a uh, World War II veteran uh, who fought in the Battle of Anzio, yeah. Mr. John Brown. He passed away a few years ago, but good man, yeah. really good man. I know a guy named uh, James Magellus. He was in the 82nd Airborne. He fought at Anzio also. Yeah? Yeah. So he just died, I think, about a month ago. He was 103. Yeah. So. Um, Legends. Now, uh, a guy named Mark Clark eventually captured Rome. Uh, it took a while, but it happened just prior to June 6, 1944. But Rome was the first. Now, Italy surrendered to the uh, Allied forces in, in, when, when we landed in Italy, okay. in Salerno. They, they surrendered to the Allied forces, and then they switched sides. And then they declared war on Germany. Mussolini was overthrown. What happened to him? Well, he was in a uh, prison... In a, in a kind of a fortress, and uh, this uh, German commando, um, Skorzeny, I think was his name, rescued him from this fortress prison. It was it was a, it was a just an amazing feat of uh, German ingenuity to uh, to rescue him from that fortress that fortress prison. And Mussolini uh, ended up creating his own country. I think it was called the Italian Social Republic. I, I don't quote me on that, but I think it was called the Italian Social Republic, and that was really German-occupied northern Italy. Hmm. You sure it wasn't the Italian Republic of Socialists, the IRS? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was the Italian Democratic Socialists. <laughs> there we go. So, but I think it was called the Italian Social Republic. Okay, we'll have to look that one up. So beautiful. Um, yeah. So that's that's what. Uh, that's, what, That's happened. what happened to him. Okay, so let's go back to Soviet Russia, okay. um, to the Soviet Union. Let's talk about the Soviet offenses. Okay. Uh, major battle, uh, Kursk, where you had kind of a salient, and uh, the Soviets knew that the Germans were going to come, and so they built all these defensive works, and they did a pretty good job. So the Germans tried to de- destroy it, and they didn't, and that was the last major offensive for the Germans. And after that, they were on the defensive hmm. from from 1943 until the country was annihilated yeah. two years later. So um, they they ran out of they ran out of reserves. Germany was just they did not have enough men hmm. to fight the Soviets in Italy. And then in the Western Front, yeah. it was just too much for them. All of a sudden, they were like, "Boy, glad we got this Hitler Youth movement going on. Yeah, Let's bring well, those kids in." Well, you know, they in in uh, in World War One they fought a two front war, but in World War Two they fought a three front war, mm-hmm. and it was just way too much for them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just because they started pulling in people that they would never have used before, they started bringing in more or less kids and old men. To fight at the end. At the right? end, yes, yeah. they did. Um, they they started. Um, you know, women were not supposed to work like in the factories, but they ended up importing people from the other countries to do manual labor. Mm-hmm. Women started doing manual labor, um, and they would send. I, I think I read somewhere that ninety uh, percent of the German soldiers who were killed in that war were killed in the in the uh, Russian front, and. Uh, it was not, you have to, here's what people don't grasp is that you're talking about Nazis versus Soviets, two different tyrannical. It's crazy. It's like bad guys versus bad guys. Right, right. That's exactly what it was. There was nothing, it, it was a nightmare scenario for all the soldiers involved because, yeah. you know, you're you're being shot if you don't do your duty mm-hmm. and who are you fighting for and who are you fighting against? And if you're... You know, the, the Soviets and the Germans, when they captured the enemy, it was not a good scene for those who were captured. No. You know, they they didn't... Uh, you know, if you were an American or a Brit and you were captured, let's say, Air Force, okay, they you were put in a POW camp, a Stalag 13 mm-hmm. or 17 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Stalag Luft. But, but for the Russians, 
yeah, they would be captured, but so many of them died. Yeah, they would be put with with Stella, and she'd slit your throat. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All right, so the great moment in time, uh, the Normandy invasion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Size, scale, how important? It it opened up the Western Front. It uh, you now truly had a three front war for Germany. Um, it was supposed to be on June the 5th, but the weather was so bad. But on June the 6th, you had, you had, um, was it the 4th, 4th U.S. Infantry lands in Utah Beach, and you have the 29th and the 1st land in Omaha Beach. And then, uh, you had the Ranger Battalions, uh, by, by a guy named, uh, Rudder. Uh, Rudder was, uh, he ended up becoming like Texas A&M president. Hmm. Uh, but Rudder's men went up the cliffs to capture the guns that were not there. They Isn't that Rudder is uh, the place where they play basketball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rudder yeah. Arena and all that. Yep, mm-hmm. yeah, that was. Uh, and and um, Alex Kershaw uh, talked about him quite a bit. Yeah. And then uh, so you had those two American beaches. There were three other beaches: uh, Gold, Juno, and Sword. Juno was the Canadian. Gold and Sword were the Italian. Were the um, the British. Uh, you had the um, Pegasus Bridge. Those were the first allies uh, to land in Normandy before the 82nd and the 101st. Uh, a guy named Major Howard, they captured these two bridges. They called it Ham and Jam. And the bridges are still there right now. Um, uh, these uh, gliders, they land right by the bridge. They jump out, they capture it, and the, the fight is on. Then you yeah. had the 82nd and 101st. They're scattered all over Utah Beach. Um, ham and jam, ham and non-perishable. Jam. Yeah, ham and jam, non-perishable bridges. So uh, now Hitler, of course, they don't wake him up. Um, Rommel, who's in charge, uh, was with his wife for her birthday, and um, now what they did was they made it look like a diversion because everybody knew that the Allies were going to land at Calais, which was more practical. Right. Um, if you look at Normandy. It's beaches, and then you have these giant bluffs yeah. all around. There's no way you're going to land there because you, you're just not. Well, that's what they did. Mm-hmm. It just was not the likely scenario. So they made it appear Patton was still behind. He was left behind with a fake army. Mm-hmm. And every the intelligence stated Patton hasn't left. Patton is still there. So while we're still you know capturing territory in Normandy, Patton is still parading around in England with this with a fake army. And so they thought, you know, he's, he, this, what happened in Normandy was a diversion. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later on that they realized, no, that is the invasion. That is the invasion of France. And by that time, you know, there were enough men, tanks. They, it was a struggle at the beginning because Normandy has a lot of hedgerows and those are difficult to get through. Yeah. But once they got through the hedgerows, then, then Patton shows up and uh, his, his third army just sweeps through France. And there was like a, a big battle. I think they call it the Falaise Pocket, where a huge German army was trapped between the British and the Americans. But unfortunately, there was, uh, Patton got really upset. He tried to get um, Montgomery to move a little bit quicker, but Montgomery didn't. Montgomery didn't believe in the fast movement like Patton did. And they could have trapped an entire army in, the, in that pocket, but hmm. many of them were able to escape. So um, now Rommel is still alive at this point. Rommel is still alive, however, but that is going to end soon. Yes, on there was a group of men, um, von Stoffel, uh, Stoffelberg, I think I don't remember his name. Operation Valkyrie, right? On uh, on uh, July twentieth, nineteen forty four. By this time, they know the war is over. Mm-hmm. Okay, they know they're going to lose. They were at uh, the Wolf's Lair in East Prussia. uh, Count von Stauffen. I'm going to call him von Stauffen. I'm butchering his name, I'm sure. Okay. He has a a bomb in his suitcase, or briefcase. Um, Plants it at a table. Unfortunately, they weren't where they were supposed to be, which is kind of in a closed area where it would have absorbed all the explosion. They were in a, because it was hot July, they were in this other, it's kind of like a cabin type thing where it, the explosion would spread out everywhere rather than be enclosed. Mm-hmm. Well, um, he leaves. The bomb is there. It explodes. Somebody had moved the bomb under this big heavy table. Hitler's life is spared. They don't know this. 
um, a lot of a lot of brave German men were executed afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now Rommel was part of it, but um, Hitler gave him the option to kill himself, which mm -hmm. is what Rommel did. So that was the end of Rommel. Goodbye, Erwin. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't a Nazi. He loved Germany, and he fought for Germany, mm -hmm. but he did not fight for Nazism. What did he fight for? Germany. He believed in... He believed in a... He was an anti-communist. He did believe in a very strong Germany. Mm -hmm. um, and he believed in fighting for the fatherland. And, you know, he, he'd be like your typical World War I German. But he was not like, let's kill the Jews, let's... Uh, he wasn't anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Nazis did things for Would the party. You but, I mean, there is the argument of enabling. Yes, there is the argument of enabling. Um, the, the, which which is a tough remember, one to get through. What you have to remember this. The Nazis didn't do things for Germany. The Nazis did things for the, the Nazi Nazis. Party. The right. Nazi Party. And uh, their ideology. And did they keep those things separate from a lot of the generals? Is that what you're saying? Well, you or know, did these people know about the atrocities? Uh, they had to have known about the atrocities, but not to the level of, you know, we've got all these concentration camps, Bobby Yar, stuff like that. Um, that was for the SS. That was, you know, that was um, um, uh, Heinrich Himmler and his men. That mm -hmm. was their job. Right. It was, it was separate. The German uh, Wehrmacht... Their job was to win battles. Yeah. So they were doing it for Germany. Well, you know, Joseph Goebbels and Goering and Hitler and, and Heinrich Himmler were doing things for the Nazi party. And if it was good for Germany, it was good for the Nazi party as far as they were concerned. But when things started going bad, they, you know, that's when they're like, okay, time to kill the Jews. You know, you had the Wannsee Conference in 1941, and that's when they decided, you know what, it's time to just... Let's just slowly get rid of all the Jews in Europe. You know, let's work them to death. Mm -hmm. But that's that's when the decision was made to start killing off the Jews. Yeah. And yeah, they I didn't mean, treat them good beforehand, mind you. I mean, you, no. had, you had concentration camps. You had the, uh, the, the Warsaw Ghetto, stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, and all the different ghettos. But uh, the Wannsee Conference is where they decided to do the final solution. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things that is, and I don't want to get th on this topic, mm -hmm. but it is a difficult thing to 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 separate the two. Uh, it's sort of like you know the Soviets, like their generals were fighting battles to defeat the enemies, mm -hmm. in order to more or less allow them to continue what they were doing within their own country. Well, the typical Soviet soldier was fighting for his, uh, for Mother Russia. For Mother Russia. Right. But, but Mother Russia hadn't existed for quite some time. No, it was, it was, uh, it was you know the Soviet I mean? Union. It, yeah. yeah. But, but they still looked at it as Mother Russia. Right. But you're talking about the, the regular soldier. Now, the, uh, now, keep in mind that uh, you had political... No, I'm not even talking about the regular soldier. I'm talking about the, the generals, generals. The people who actually had power, who were over... Right. Well, I mean, you know, like, well, you know, like Zhukov, uh, Zhukov fought in World War One for mm -hmm. the Tsar's army. But, you know, the, the, a lot of those guys, I don't know what Zhukov's leanings were, but a lot of those Soviets were, especially the ones who died prior to 1938 when they when they had the Stalin's purge. But many of those soldiers were doing it for their country. Mm -hmm. um, keep in mind that political officers or commissars would go with the uh, with the generals, like Nick, Nikita Khrushchev was yeah. was a political officer, so they would tag along with the armies. Mm -hmm. Nikita Khrushchev tagged along with Marshal Zhukov. Yeah, make sure so. that they stay in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're almost coming to an end. Operation Market Garden, mm -hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't seen Alan running around with a <laughs> was it a broom or it was, was a, it a broom. cane? Yeah, yeah a broom but... in your hand. Uh, you should go check that out. Mm -hmm. um, Operation Market Garden. A bridge. A bridge too far. Too far. That was in September of 44. Now, the uh, the Rhine River was going to be the last major obstacle. Um, what's his name? Uh, Montgomery had this idea that if we captured all these, a surprise move where we captured Holland, um, the Rhine River, although it crosses through Germany, it also crosses through Holland. And there's a town called Arnhem. There... There's a bridge. 
So if we can capture that bridge and all the bridges between them and Belgium, uh, Hell's Highway is what they called it, then we can then cross the Rhine and then swing east and we're in the heartland of Germany. And we fighting will be over by Christmas. That was the plan. Everybody's always promising by Christmas. Yeah. What is that all about? It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just something that so, sounds good, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so, and Christmas is the best. Right. So, um, yeah, you had, so you had uh, this guy named Colonel Frost who captures part of the, the town and he captures the northern part of the bridge. But he got cut off by the rest of his, by the British uh, First Airborne. Mm-hmm. And then you had the 82nd Airborne and the 101st Airborne. Um, now, the 82nd Airborne uh, was able to capture its objectives, but they got delayed and then they had to cross the, the Wall River and then sweep east, and then they eventually captured the bridge. And the 101st got slowed down because outside of Eindhoven, um, one of the major bridges was blown up. It took a while. They finally was able, the, the British had these uh, fabricated bridges, and they were able to cross that river. But eventually, the, um, the, the, the British army was able to go all the way th- uh, through uh, Eindhoven, through Nijmegen, but they could not get to Arnhem. And the guys, Colonel Frost and his men, ended up surrendering. Um, and they did not capture that last bridge, the bridge that was too far that went over the Rhine River. And the, the other British soldiers, the airborne that were trapped north of, on the north bank of the Rhine River, uh, they had to have rescue operations to get those guys out. The mm-hmm. ones that couldn't make it to Colonel Frost's men, the ones that were cut off. Um, if you see the movie Bridge Too Far... Uh, Sean Connery, it, it's uh, him, him and his men could not make it to help, to assist Colonel Frost, hmm. and they had to flee back across the river. Hmm. So it was considered a failure. Mm-hmm. So the war did not end by Christmas. All right, last moment for uh, for discussion is one of the most famous battles that happened during World War II, the Battle of the Bulge. Mm-hmm. This is the last-ditch effort for Germany, correct? In the Western and, and, Front. And, and why? Why is that? Well, uh, they knew... That the way they looked at it is, is that if we can put a stop to the British, the Americans, the Canadians, and all the other men that were with them, the, you had the Poles, Norwegians, Holland, if we can put a stop to them momentarily, we can then concentrate our battles against the Soviets, which is what, they, which is what the plan was. So winter was approaching, and they were waiting until there was bad weather because they knew that the um, that the U.S. and Britain used the same Blitzkrieg style uh, tactics that the Germans used. You know, get those uh, P-51s, P-47s, Spitfires to assist the tanks to destroy troop movements, the enemy troop movements. So what they decided was, we're going to wait till the weather gets really bad so that their aircraft will be grounded. And then we're going to do a surprise offensive through a very soft area, the Ardennes Forest, which is where they invaded in 1940. Mm-hmm. So they knew that there were weak... You were sent to the Ardennes Forest to rest. Um, decimated forces would go there to rest, relax, R&R. So they knew that there weren't really solid um, units there. Most of the units were to the north and to the south. Patton was fighting uh, south of there. So on December the 16th, weather was really crappy, they invaded. Um, and the goal was to drive all the way to Antwerp, cross the River Moose, and then go and capture Antwerp, effectively cutting off the British in the north from the U.S. in the south. And that would, it was supposed to be a delaying tactic. Well, they ran into a little bit of problems. Uh, their offensive didn't move quite as fast as they wanted. Um, one, of the, one of the books that Alex Kershaw wrote called The Longest Winter talks about um, these group of men's a platoon with the 99th Infantry that really delayed the, the main uh, effort of, of uh, uh, the, one of the Panzer units, mm-hmm. stopped them for 24 hours. And um, so there were a lot of delaying tactics used. Um, the, the town of Bastogne, now there are like, uh, it's a major junction. There's like a railroad and like seven roads that go through there. It was a major objective for the, for the Germans. Uh, we sent the 101st Airborne there to surround the town, dig in, and make sure that that town did not get captured. So th- they did that. 
And, you know, the funny thing is, is if you go to Bastogne and you go all around the town, you can still see the, uh, the, the, fo- the what do you call it, the foxholes? Mm-hmm. They're still there if you go into the forest. Yeah. So, and there's a big monument there for the, for the Americans. So, um, but, but the 82nd Airborne, they fought like demons. Um, we, we did get some help from the British, but the Americans were really the ones that, that fought that battle. We lost about 20,000 men who died in, mm-hmm. in the Battle of the Bulge. It, it lasted for about six weeks. Patton knew that the Germans were going to do something like this. So he said that he could move, he could pivot his forces within 48 hours and head north to relieve uh, Bastogne, which is what he did. Within 48 hours, his third army, they were, they were trying to get into Germany from France. He pivoted his army and headed north. And on December the 26th, they... Um, they relieved the 101st Airborne, who was surrounded in Bastogne. Um, you know, uh, there was a famous scene where they uh, demanded a surrender, and the general there, his name was McAuliffe, uh, replied with the word nuts mm-hmm. to the German commander, nuts, yeah. the American commander. And that, that Patton was like, okay, we, we need to get that guy out of there. So yeah. um, Maxwell Taylor was... He he was not there at the time. He he was caught unprepared for the the Battle of the Bulge. He was visiting a wedding or something like that. So um, that McAuliffe guy was the uh, one star general. Yeah, I can't think of a better time to get married. Yeah, <laughs> well, he didn't get married. He was there. He no, was, not he him. Was off yeah. some wedding. Sure. So uh, yeah, so so Patton Patton's men relieved uh, the men in Bastogne, and then what happened was is that uh, from there they had to capture a few more towns. North of Bastogne, while there was a pincher movement heading south towards Bastogne, and the Germans that were to the west, in, in it, it, what happened was a bulge was created. That's where the word the Battle of the Bulge came right. in. So if you looked at a map, you see this bulge heading toward Antwerp. Well, with, with uh, Bastogne now being relieved, and they were trying to go north from Bastogne while the northern flank was trying to go south, the Germans that were to the west in the bulge mm-hmm. knew that if they didn't get out, they'd be trapped. So now they're trying to work their way out. Now, they did trap a lot of guys, a lot of Germans, but that effectively ended the bulge. And then, you know, um, that was... Uh, and I, I believe it was January the 16th when, they, when the northern flank and the southern flank from Bastogne were able to meet and trap whoever was to the west. Hmm. And then for a couple of weeks, they worked their way and captured back all the uh, land that they had prior to December the 16th. We had uh, two massacres. We had the uh, Malmedy Massacre, and then there was a massacre of about like nine or 11 uh, black soldiers that the uh, uh, American black soldiers that the Germans just murdered. Yeah. Mm. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that ends 1939 to 1944 in the European theater. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the Jap- Japan versus mm. China, that, and then the Japanese theater, the... Um, the Pacific, the Pacific Theater. Theater. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, Pacific, China, Burma, India. Okay. All right. So we're going to be talking about that. So as we always do, we like to end on a scripture. This scripture comes from Joel, Joel 3.9. It says, proclaim, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. And that was happening a whole hell of a lot in that five-year span uh, that we just got through talking about. So, um, yeah, uh, interesting scripture and darkest moment possibly in world history. Uh, you know, yeah, there've been some, there have been, been some dark some moments. Dark moments yeah. so. I don't, I don't know if I'd want to call it the darkest moment. Yeah. I think the darkest moment would have been there was like a hundred-year stretch where you had the Mongols invading. They wiped it. There were more people, percentage-wise, of people killed in the world when the Mongols invaded, and then within the next hundred years, you had the uh, the Black Death, hmm. the plague. Everybody dying. A lot of people died. Yeah. So that I would say that that was probably the darkest time. I mean, it was a, it was a great moment as as well. This this World War Two because you had the rise of the good guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Alan, where can people find us? Well, they can find us on Facebook, on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have our own website, www.thesonsofhistory.com. 
You can also find us in The Epic Times. Both of us uh, are uh, writers for them. I do more history. Yours is... Mine's uh, like... It's it's history related, but it's a little bit more on the current events side. Mm -hmm. Little... I don't like to say political, but it is about what's going on in the world. And I like to bring in the typically the Constitution and different things like that into the conversation. Okay. Um, now, on Tuesday nights, I have uh, Tuesday night history. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday night, you have the Thursday night uh, live chats. Yes. Yeah, so, right. you know, yours is an Instagram, mine's Facebook. That's right. Both so. Facebook Live, Instagram Live, both mm-hmm. at 9 p.m. Central Time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've had good times on there. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. And ladies and gentlemen, if you ever have any history questions or anything that you want to ask us, feel free to, you know, direct messages. No problem. We uh, look forward to your questions and, you know, responding to them uh, and having that conversation with you. So always here. Yeah. I mean, I know it's easy to get information nowadays with the Internet, but Mm -hmm. it's always good also to get a perspective of, I mean, how is this significant or how is that significant or what's your thoughts on this and that? So. Um, you know, we definitely have our opinions on s- historical events and why they're so important. Yeah. Because a lot of times you don't think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, well... What's the importance? Like, yeah. why yeah. Why is it important now? Yeah. You know? And I think that's a that's a, an issue that a lot of people run into. It's like, yeah, but this happened 50 years ago. A hundred... This happened a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Why is that still important? Well, it is the story of mankind. Mm-hmm. And so that's really all of our story. So well, I had I surprised some people when I told them about you know people were wondering why did uh, you, the why did Europe suddenly go exploring around the world in the uh, late 1400s and early 1500s and you know I told them well because Constantinople fell the uh, Silk Road was cut off they still needed to get their uh, material from China from India the Indies mm-hmm. they still wanted it but they couldn't go through there so. You know, Christopher Columbus was like, you know what, I'm going to, instead of going around Africa, I'm going to see if we can just head west down this ocean. I bet you we'll hit China. And he would have. He would have if there wasn't a (laughs) continent in the way. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's why they, that's why Portugal, Spain, that's why uh, they started exploring around the world. And that was the reason. There you have it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you have enjoyed this conversation as we continue to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II in Europe. And we will talk to you next week. 